I think Islam hates us. They have done nothing except wreak havoc and terror for our faith and our religion. We, when we stand up to those who oppress our communities, that Allah accepts from us that as a form of jihad. Foundations of society are fragile. We must be the shepherds of our own civilization. If anyone answers either yes or no without making necessary distinctions, both are not telling the truth. They're lying. Father, we pray that your word will become a hammer that breaks rocks into pieces. That you will raise up in this nation pulpits and prophets that will call the nation back to repentance. Will you distance yourself from those who think differently or will you join us at the table and talk about what is really important? This is the Maida Initiative, Conversation Without Compromise. What's it, what's it like traveling through Iraq? You know, I, I'd say right now, but you know, in this sort of time frame, because obviously there's some, I think my my immediate imagination is, you know, everything's crazy everywhere. But obviously that's not true because right. um, there's certain segments of the country that are sort of, you know... Dealing with a lot more than other parts of the country. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if you know where you're going, then you should be safe. And I say that in, like, if you're trying to visit other parts, of cities um most people take drivers um and there's like a whole like garage lot of drivers that um will like bargain you for like if you're driving from like Basra to like Najaf um they'll like they'll say like four hundred dollars I'll only take four hundred dollars or someone will say I will I will only take three hundred and fifty so you kind of also have to go with like a good driver because people like just speed through and it's a good like four to five hours of a drive um and you want to have a safe driver because the roads aren't always decent and you don't want to get yourself in an accident in the middle of nowhere yeah um because once you're out of like so like if we're, we're living from Basra once you're out of Basra like it's literally just like desert desert until you hit the next city so um but for the most part it's it's personally i believe it's safe um you just don't want to go into like territorial territorial area that people specifically from that city will say don't go there yeah. listen to them yeah yeah so you obviously you know you, you know, you have a very different experience from, like, say, Basra to Baghdad to, like, Mosul, right? Yeah. Um, well, I don't, I don't know if you've heard of this photographer named Emily um, Garth. She's a British photographer, actually, and she went and did uh, Arbain, and she, uh, she took fi pictures of all, like, the her experience, and she, like, walked, too, and then... She got, like, ridden most of the time. She took a car. So, uh, but she also, like, took in the experience. Like, she stayed over at, like, uh, ladies' houses, and she spent the night, and she woke up, and she walked the next morning. And so um, she really captured what it was like to be an Iraqi in that moment um, of time. Um, and her... If you go to her Insta page, she has all those, like, scenes and uh, moments. And I and I think, like, 
back at the end of June, she had um, some of her uh, photos were um, shown in one of the Bellevue museums or art galleries. But yeah, and she she came down and spoke too. Yeah, that's yeah. That, it's it's fascinating. I mean, I I heard someone in Baghdad the other day saying it's like all brand new right now. Yeah, Baghdad is nice. Like period. Um, it's very very like city, very newer than the rest of the cities. I could say it. Um, it takes in more of its culture. Um, not that I'm not saying that the other cities don't, but like they basically are very open and out there and they 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 will show you Iraq is I mean this this you mean the city has an amazing history exactly yeah I'd have loved to see it before the um Mongol conquests there's still a lot of it there you just have to have the right Torah yeah right, yeah well, I mean, in just this, there's so many layers of it, right? Because mm-hmm. really, it's the first civilization. And then you also have parts of it that have been torn down, taken away through time, and then through like all these like unwelcome people that have like invaded it. But the actual like essence of the city is still there. Yeah. Yeah, because. Um... So, ba- so Babylon is like what, like an hour south of Baghdad. Because mm-hmm. what's really fascinating, right, is the um, in the Bible and you know lots of other ancient history, you have the story of the Tower of Babel, right, where everybody kind of bands together to you know build this tower that can reach up to heaven. And that's the moment God sort of confuses the earth's languages, so everybody's kind of forced to spread out, and so instead of having one imperial city. In Babylon, you have, you know, different nations to kind of keep each other in check, which I think is a good idea because, you know, you know, whoever the, um, you know, whoever we least want to be president next of the country, you know, what happens if that person is president of the world? <laughs> I mean, that's, you know, that's awful, right? And that's kind of what Babel's is about. Um, but what's interesting is if you read in history, King Nebuchadnezzar tried to finish it. Then that empire fell, the Persians came. Then Alexander the Great entered Babylon. And he tore the tower down because he wanted to build it bigger. Um, but then he died really young, so he never fin- he never did anything with it. But you can still see the base of it on mm-hmm. Google Maps. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'd, I'd love to go there because it really is the starting point of, you know, all post-flood human history. You'd be very welcome. I mean, you know Iraqis and their hostility, so hospi- hospi- <laughs> hospitality. Sorry. Like hospitality. Yeah, there are some hostile people, but their uh, hospitality is um, over the top. So I'll probably I'll probably make it at some point. Um, once the kids are a little older, I'll probably. Yeah, I mean, if yeah, if you plan to take them, then the older they are, the better. Yeah, it's it. I, I'm. It's le- less so about me taking them, and more that um, that that my, uh, my wife would be scared of me dying and leaving her a widow. At well, this stage. you also want to like be cautious because 
um, not everyone's like can take in like the weather or the air or like what have you, and people get like ill, not like super ill, but they'll get sick because they can't take in that the whole nother country, whole nother like climate. So not everyone can deal with it. Yeah, I, how how similar is the climate to say like the Emirates? Mm-hmm. Emirates is way hotter. Um, it's way like way way more humid. Whereas Iraq, they'll have like cool like hot d- days but cool nights. Whereas like I've been to Dubai during like a full day and it's just heat. Yeah. Yeah, I went in like November, so it was generally pretty. Yeah. Know, mild. Yeah, yeah, but no, I've gone during like the summer, and oh, yeah. it's just like. <laughs> I'll stay inside the airport. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That was the fun thing about the, the the weird thing about the Emirates is that it kind of feels like a halfway between the Middle East and the West. Yeah. Well, I, I, maybe that's even too generous. Like, because I got there at night, and I honestly couldn't tell I'd left America until it was daytime, because you know you go to the airport, mm-hmm. the rental car place. The freeways where all the signs are in English. Yep. And then you get to the hotel, which seems yep. like America. They're very, they're very westernized in that sense, because of all the businesses and all the people that have been coming in, like not just tourists, but like they have businesses with so many other countries. So a lot of people are coming in and visiting and stopping, and they want to be very accommodating to them. Yeah, and just the population, right? It's only it's what the Emirates is like thirty percent Emirati. Yeah, no, I know. If you go now, you'll see like it's like so mixed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and so, so like the first languages of the business is there is English. Mm-hmm. So I I want to kind of I loved it, but I also want to kind of get beyond that a little bit. I'd love to go to Saudi Iraq. Yeah, I mean, like most of most of the families, if they're in the UAE specific that city. They're not. They're having their children go to like American schools. Yeah. Do you? I re, I really want to go to Oman actually. I have not, but I've heard amazing things about it. Did you know that the main sect of Islam in Oman is not Sunni or Shia? It's not. No, it's. Uh, I think it's Sufi. Ibadi. It's what? It's called Ibadi. Um. So the basic premise is um so they're actually they're actually the sort of indirect thought descent of the Qajarites. Oh, okay mm-hmm. so you kind of have the split um with the sunni the shia well kind of like what was kind of what was to become the sunnis right because right the sunni source materials oh and i guess a lot of the shia traditions aren't really you know formed then um but and the Qajarites kind of go their three directions and the Qajarites mostly sort of, you know, around the Oman area. And they definitely, you know, level out. But the the the, the uh, Ibadi perspective is that it doesn't really matter who's in charge as long as they're virtuous. And they also, the other defining feature of them is they don't believe the Quran is eternal. They believe it's created. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So they would say, they would actually say the the traditional belief that the Quran is eternal with God is actually shirk because it's association with God. But, well, <laughs> that's funny. I mean, 
I'm not here to argue that position, but uh, you know that's yeah. just, that's just there. And it was the same. Um, it's actually the same position that the uh, Muatazalites had, who were the people who were sort of like in charge around the sort of golden age as well. Um, that the the uncreated Quran is something that really sort of gets a sort of gets cemented in the Islamic world in about mm-hmm. between 850 and 950, and then the view of it kind of being created becomes this minority view after that. Yeah, I mean, I don't... it's really interesting, like, seeing how different countries take in Islam and their version of what a Muslim is like, because you, you're never going to get the same thing from two people. Never. Like, even within that country, people practice and believe differently. But the, they will say, I'm Muslim, and... It's it's at the end of the day, it's their interpretation of what that means. Yeah, I I've noticed that, and I think there's people who want to make it not that way, but it's very difficult to do because you know there's such a variety of scholarship in the Muslim world right now. Well, there yeah, there's certain countries that are more like no, this is this is Islam, this is how we're gonna follow it, and like they'll make it a part of the the countries laws and rules and regulations not just islam's laws but no this country's laws as well so you have to you have to really understand it from your own perspective at first and then see like how is this country practicing what do i think versus what do they think because it's okay to like question but the end of the day like like i said like i'm saying like each country or each person is going to interpret it a different way and you, you can't ever be like, no, you're wrong. Because if there is a like certain practice and if people aren't doing it that certain way and you are, I don't know, you have to like be like, okay, wh- wh- why, are, why are they doing this? Like, why am I doing this? So it's, it's good to ask questions, um, inquire about why this country has made it a part of their law and then like and then you have the outside world that's looking into that country and they're like it's so dictated da, 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 da. but it's like go in that country see the law see why they are making it that way oh i think and where that where that becomes complicated right is where you kind of start to get a theory of you know what a nation is right mm-hmm. how people should live mm-hmm. right so that's pretty what's hit iraq pretty hard is you've got you know you've got the shia you've got the sunni and you've got the kurds who'd have pretty very different perspectives on you know what they what they want right so i know that the kurds are pretty adamant on wanting their own nation state right? yes but you won't hear in iraq you won't hear ever like the that there's beef between the Sunnis and Shias. Like, that's not even brought up between us. Like, we always allow people to practice how they want to practice, like, within our own country. Um, And, like, people pray together. People will hang out together. Like, they won't say, like, I'm Shia, I'm Sunni. Like, they're Iraqi Muslim that's how they would identify themselves and so at that point what you essentially have is a separation of religious power from political power 
because that's kind of the basis of separation of church and state mm-hmm. or mosque and state is the ability for different people to be able to sort of practice in you know relative freedom right so As it, it should be and and, and it's and it, the, the reason you know and so everybody at some point right has to decide on you know what's right what's wrong but also to what to what extent the government should you know but you're inform- not gonna find that in every country like certain countries are like no we're just this yeah and then other countries no we're just this and if you're not with us then you you need to go away right 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 and and so th- there's kind of like this this sort of like the the muslim brotherhood sort of ideal of you know um you know is you kind of have islamic nation states and then you know but then then the sort of al-qaeda idea is to kind of reestablish the caliphate right which mm-hmm. is what isis tried to do so there's this kind of like there's this sort of i think there's this in in, in the sunny world especially there's still this kind of like you know latent idea that they're, they're trying to find someone to kind of be the figurehead of right. all muslims everywhere mm-hmm. uh, there so, is none that, no. I mean, you have God and Prophet Muhammad, and that's your main two that you're looking for in the religion, right? So if you're if you're a certain part of a sect because you choose to believe in that part, that's your choice to believe. That's your 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 choice to make, etc. But these people that claim to be Muslims or whatever aren't there they have no idea what Islam is yeah it's 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 a really interesting thing and I think it goes back to um, I, I think what it comes what it comes from at this point is people feeling disconnected from the source materials um, combine that so they feel kind of distant from it already right so i think they feel like people because they're just kind of making up their own rules Mm -hmm. which is sometimes fair sometimes not which is true though yeah it is people do and so um when when so so then but then also it's not simply a philosophical thing it's you know this thing where you know a lot of the isis guys a lot of especially the guys that do terror attacks in europe are not living great Muslim lives, right? They're, um, they're, you know, like one of the one of the Paris attackers like owned a bar. It's like a Syrian Muslim bar owner, right? <laughs> right, and I think people forget, like, okay, like Syrian or um, Palestinian or from Oman or from Jordan or from what have you, like. Why do you associate these people or these countries just with Islam? Like, yes, there's Muslims in the countries, but in Syria, there's a whole majority of Christians as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, it's just that, like, line of, like, understanding. If you have that understanding, then you're not going to be like, oh, Muslim, Islam, whatever. He's Syrian, then that means he's so-and-so. Right. I think so. So much of so much of you know the problem with um, both in racism and the ways we respond to racism is we conflate um, ethnicity 
mm-hmm. culture and the individual. Yes. Right. So somebody who's, you know, somebody who's from a specific country may not necessarily be representative of the culture. Like, as a British person, there's some ways I represent British culture well. Um, By, like, having the flag outside your house. Actually, that's actually an American flag. <laughs> Is it really? Yeah, it's, okay. it's the first American flag. So oh, okay. in, in the war, um, so the British-American flag was... was it uh, resembled the British flag. I was, I'm okay with that. I was like, yes, James. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's, sort of a, it's a kind of a hybrid flag to kind of represent the family. But okay. basically, the, Brit- the Americans would sew white stripes onto the flag in the war to differentiate their armies from the, Ameri- uh, the British ones. Because, you know, there's not a ton of time for graphic design when you're, you know, leading the underground resistance right, movement. Right, Um, So there's some ways that, you know, like being sarcastic um, and, you know, liking privacy, right? That's that's very culturally British of me. But I don't really yeah, it's like sports. Yeah, like dry humor type of ideology. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, I'm not, I don't think like most British people do. I don't really drink tea i don't watch soccer you know it's like i don't so there's this so every there's the thing being a british person in america but then like say like see you're saying like drinking tea is very british thing it is in like iraq too and it is in kuwait and it is like people don't like think about those things like but then you have people who don't drink it at all like you're saying so it's not it shouldn't like you're saying, like it shouldn't be just relatable to that. No. Yeah. I mean, there's there's lots of things. Some things I represent well, some things I don't. Like watching soccer, football, right? It's mm-hmm. something I I don't do. And when people find out I'm British, all the soccer fans seek me out because they want to talk about it. Um, That's funny. <laughs> and it's like, oh, again. Um. So, but the, with so with the, with the sort of Paris guys, right? Um. They're, they're, you know, they're not, um, you know, they're not sort of normally, you know, good Muslims. But there are also ideological reasons behind, you know, what they do as well. So I, I think a lot of people portray ISIS as having, you know, no grounding in, you know, religion or history. And, you know, the sad thing is that they do have that, but, um, you know, it's an application of it, right? So, you know, so one question I like to ask my you know, if I have people who are sort of very sort of right-wing conspiracy... Well, then you also have, like, if you're... If you are sitting there being fed all this information and then given, like, a whole lot of money, you're going to sit there and watch what, whatever you have to watch. Yeah, but, but also, you know, I think it... it, it, it they, they're, they're onto something that resonates a chord with people, right? Because... You know what they're going to what they were making the argument for is okay look at all these things that have happened to the muslim world um we need one leader for all of us who's gonna you know fight the unbelievers and um you know bring back proper islamic orthodoxy and they've got one specific way of reading the hadith which feels authentic right so you know if you, you you're a guy who has the sense that i should be more religious one day but oh my word, how do I do that? Because I own a bar. And somebody comes and says to you, look, there is one way the Hadith guarantees you entrance to paradise. Right. And that's to die in jihad. Right. You can go read that. But people don't know what jihad actually means. I think that's what they miss. Well, well okay. 
So I, I hear this a lot, right? But in its original context, right? You, if you go at least in in the sort of Sunni orthodoxy, jihad definitely means lots of things. But in um, the book of jihad in Sahih Al Bukhari and Sahih Muslim, there's no ambiguity, right? Jihad's primary meaning is is war, right? and that is part of the you know source materials. And so, you know, one of, you know, one of the hadith, one of the sort of famous sunny hadiths on this in, I think, I believe it's in Bukhari, is, you know, um, somebody came to the prophet and said, um, can you name me a deed that equals jihad and its value? And, you know, you know, he said, um, could you for a whole month stay in the masjid um, praying and fasting without ceasing? And... And then he then he says no I don't you know I no who could do that and he says no one can do that um, there is no deed that equals jihad the, because the Ghazi on the field is rewarded even for the footsteps his horse takes to find water so you know whether or not you see, as, as, as a Shia you don't necessarily believe that you know Bukhari hadiths are authentic right mm-hmm. but there there are a lot of people who do and yes I mean people will read and compare as most people do um i mean you have you have some shia scholars that like will dig into uh sunni uh, hadiths and just like really really dig in and pull out like what's right versus what's wrong and it's not like it's not to prove a certain population wrong or right but like we like this is the truth and i I really need you to hear it yeah right right um because they they they, it's not that they reject everything it's just they want to figure out okay what's actually accurate and Mm -hmm, and right exactly yep so so now there's still even you know even if you have you know this militaristic jihad there which is there even then you've got to there's a lot of jump you know to sort of say okay and this guy here right is the rightful caliph and can you know do that so one question i like to ask you know my american friends you know who kind of want to talk about you know is the, the inherent nature of islam i'll like ask them okay what do you think the islamic source materials say do you think the islamic source materials say you should go and be a suicide bomber and like what like um maybe and I'm like well no there's no explosives when it's written right there's no way it could say to do that. So, you know, every, you know, so it's not, you know, and it's not as if, you know, ISIS is just reading the, you know, book of jihad, like a sort of a novel and being like, oh, this is what we should do. Right. Right. Now there's things they're pulling out of there, which mm-hmm. are, you know, very old traditions, mm-hmm. but there's still a framework for it. Right. That. Yeah. But then again, like, is the like you're saying, like they're pulling out what is useful for them and their message Right, right, and, and and but I think the the reason it's easy to do that is because there's a lot of people who do who do do that, right? So, you know, you have people, you know, you know, in America who will want to try and make Muhammad an advocate of trans rights, right? Right. So, he, so you just you know, so so you want it. So, <laughs> so, so, so the thing is, they're basically using See, this. This is the thing about Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. Um, he was equal. He like he treated every human equal, and that's the message 
he practices so long, right? Like, and that's what I try to instill in myself. Like, people are equals. Like, people are different than myself, but, like, doesn't mean I get to treat them differently. Um, And that's what I like to take away from his um, teachings is that, um, yes, I have certain um, things I need to follow and certain beliefs that I need to believe, but at the end of the day, like, how is this person and their way of life affecting me? Like, it's not, right? It's a very libertarian approach. It is. I mean, I know not everyone's going to agree with that. I know in certain countries, it's suicide. Um, people kill themselves or because they not, they're not going to get that support if they if they are um, from that, like if they are trans or if they are part of that LGBTQ community. Or they'll get beheaded or killed or etc. Because there's that hardcore, like, Islam doesn't believe in this. You are a kafir, so you do not deserve to live. But, like, who are we as humans to make that decision? And and that, and I think, basically, this kind of comes down to, you know, the idea of what is God like and what does he actually want from the world? Because every society is going to reflect its kind of ultimate values in, in one way or another, right? So every, every every system has a god, so to speak, right? So the, you know, the, the Republican, the Republicans in the U.S. have a very specific idea of what, you know, God is like, right? Not, but, or even, I mean, even sort of agnostic atheist Republicans, they have an idea of what right is, what wrong is, right? In the same way, the left has an idea of what right is, what wrong is. Mm-hmm. And the ideal of right and wrong is what, you want you know laws to be like right as well well you see it in like america here like within americans as well like you are a sinner etc um god created man and woman not man and man or not woman and woman you know and so you see how they behave against other americans but it's like it's not it's their life like how's the way that they live their life affecting you, and and so the the place you know the place I'm at is, I think that you know, it's good to be concerned about people, right? So so, but I want to live in a world with persuasion, not coercion. Right. Uh, you you get to have your beliefs. Obviously, you get to practice what you want to practice. Um. But at the end of the day. The same way you are not um, forcing anyone to practice the way that you're practicing, you can't tell others, or they're not instilling their beliefs on you. That like I, people aren't saying like we're gay, you have to be gay too. Right. You know what I'm saying? So like, it's the same thing. Like you can't. I'm straight. You need to be straight too. Like, no. <laughs> Well, leave I, people to be what it comes down to is like what what you believe the value of law is right so think about this right think about you not that you believe this not that i believe this right but imagine being imagine being the queen of a country mm-hmm. right and you believe that everyone is headed towards like hell and you could get someone to heaven 
by making them, you know, say certain words. Right. It didn't matter if they believed it or not. Because if they just, you know, if they just said the words, then they'd go to heaven. Right. It'd be hard not to enforce that if you... I understand what you're saying. But, like, there's a difference between, like, saying it and the actual belief that's inside you. Like, if you don't believe it, if it's not sitting there with you, then you're not really, like, you're not really you at the end of the day, like... It's really hard to, like, make sense of this, but if that queen said, you say this phrase and then you will enter heaven, but if they if they don't want to, can you make them, really? And some people are going to answer yes to that question, um, and not just religious people. Um, secular, if you, if you think about, like, the whole communist movements, right, they're going to have the idea that, Humans don't have a nature. Humans are animals who you can program, right? So we, we can do 11, 11 day work weeks. We can, you know, make people, we can make people believe just by kind of giving the right, you know, psychology and programming to them. And if we do, the, if we kind of input the right things, mm-hmm. then, you know, then we can make the world we want to make because the fundamental belief there is there is no God, there is no right and wrong. It's here and now, and we've just got to make the world we want to live in. So, you know, I, 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 I don't want I don't want the government choosing what people believe, but that's based on you know ideas about reality that we share, right? That we don't want imposed that we, that we don't want others imposed on us, right? But you know, there's a lot of people who think you know I I not only do I know the way to you know the the world we need to live in. I have the power to make it happen by coercion and I'm put here for that purpose. And that's kind of what, you know, ISIS were like, is that, you know, we can, if we just put the right influences in people's lives and just control mm-hmm. the society, you know, then we can make them live the way we want to, we want to live. How's that working out for them? <laughs> Pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, have they not only have brought, like, a bad image towards people like myself, because I I appear as a Muslim. That's the thing. Like people can get away with not looking Muslim, right? But if you are Muslim, you're stare. If you actually look it, you're stared at more. You're talked about more. You're people are more like afraid to be around you. And how is that my fault? I'm just trying to live here. No, and it's, it's especially ironic because as an Iraqi Shia, right? Your ISIS is like number one target. Exactly, yes. And so that's one of the horrible ironies of America, right? People like ISIS come, and normal Muslims, I don't want any of this. Well, they were, they were in Iraq for, like, a long time, and they were killing people there. Yeah. So, like, I'm as much as a target as anyone else here. You're more of a target than anyone <laughs> yeah. else, right? So, you know, so people flee from these groups to get away from these groups, and then Americans see the people running from the groups as the people who are the groups it's you know it's yeah you know it's, it's lazy and unnuanced but even with like you know what that's the advantage of every giving everyone you know the right to speak right mm-hmm. so think about this living in america would you rather people be able to you know voice their prejudices and talk about them openly or they have to keep them quiet 
which you know you wouldn't hear it but then suddenly one day you get somebody who secretly believes this in power and then everything changes look people are allowed to believe and voice their opinions but there's ways to do it like the not the not right way is to see like uh, a couple of the same sex holding hands walking down the street and then shouting like slurs at them that's not the right way right like it just isn't but you know you you can if it within like your church or if you do go to church like voice like how you feel about that specifically just how you feel like it's okay to say how you feel but like to go out there and make a fool out of yourself what's the point yeah yeah i find that i actually get asked that question a lot <laughs> like i re- I remember this one time, it was like my first year in Seattle, mm-hmm. I, I made this friend who was playing in a band, mm-hmm. and, you know, I was I was hanging out with his mom at the back of, you know, the back of the sort of concert venue, you know, is in the high dive, loud music playing, the band's playing, and, you know, finds out I'm a Christian, so she, she, she you know, grabs my arm, and like, leads me to this, like, guy, who's like, jumping at the front of the, sta- by the stage, she goes, he's gay, is that wrong? Oh my god. Oh my gosh! No, <laughs> she's asking you. Yeah. If if he him being gay is wrong. Yeah. Oh my goodness. In the middle of a like a, con- a concert venue, and then the, another time it happened is, th- I mean, this, 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 that one was ridiculous. This one was not ridiculous, but um, I kept running into this guy around the U district who, um, I like for the life of me, I cannot remember where i first met him but he you know he knew my name he knew i was a christian and you know he kept you know you know saying hi to me asking me how things were going and i said oh let's get coffee sometime you know and the first question he asked me as we get coffee is i'm gay do you accept me oh my goodness and and, and so and what i what i just you know articulated this sort of biblical position which you know i believe all sex outside of heterosexual marriage is innately sinful Right. That we're all broken in one way or another. Mm-hmm. And this would be one way. Right. So while I disagree with, you know, this specific lifestyle, that doesn't mean that I, you know, reject you as an individual. Right. I'm right. I, I'm not going to define you by the things that are wrong with you in the same way I hope I, I don't get defined by the things that are wrong with me. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, I had the same thing happen. But when I was like a senior in high school, um, <coughs> one of my friends came out to me. And before he did, he was like, I hope, like, this doesn't ruin our friendship. I was like, why would it? Like, I'm like, you're still the same person that I know you to be, so. But even, like, with my soon-to-be, like, practicing, like, counseling, right? Like, as a Muslim, I believe certain things. But, like, I don't, I'm not going to choose to pass on those beliefs or sit there and judge anyone that like comes out to me because them as an individual is always they are always going to come first like me helping them but i i will not choose to pass on my beliefs to anyone else i mean that's just not how it's gonna go but to a certain extent you you kind of have to as well right because what's good and bad for people Mm. is a belief right I can stand my ground with my own personal beliefs, but if a certain 
you know, say a certain kid came up to me and was like, I'm getting bullied for being gay. Like, I'm going to sit there and support him and say, like, okay, who's 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 talking about you? Who's like, that's my job. That's my duty. Um, because at the end of the day, if that kid ends up harming themselves, did I do enough? Or, yeah. But, but the, belief, the belief, even there, right, your belief is... That I need to help this kid not get bullied anymore. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. So there's a certain belief that that's, that's good and right that you should do, right? And so... Um, if they come out to me and they say that their family doesn't support them, things like that, that that needs that needs to be a, an honest conversation of, like, why, why not? Like, ask yourself why not, and then, like... You can't change how people feel or are. I mean, that's not my job to make them change their feelings so their family can accept them. Um, it'll be hard conversations to have either way, um, but it's not gonna. I don't think it will affect me as a person because I believe certain things and they believe certain things, and my job isn't to pass on my beliefs. But you will to some extent, right? Because let's say, you know, you have, you know, you have a kid, you know, getting bullied, right? Mm-hmm. So probably, you know, if, if my son was getting bullied and, and was getting hit by another kid, I would, I would say, punch him in the nose, right? Fight back. Um, right. That, we, don't, we don't teach that in education. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> Um, this, because because you know there's a certain belief we can't help we can't te- we can't go on past what we believe we can't tell parents no you're not supposed to be teaching your child that like then they that's their child they can do but like we try to pass on the message of like if you see signs of this like come to us right away like we are the adults we are here to support yeah. you yeah but ultimately, right, there's still a, in, in your job, in a profession, right, there's still going to be a measure of what is good and healthy for a person mm-hmm. versus what is not good and healthy for a person. So, um, you know, so, so, so for example, right, um, if somebody, you know, if, if somebody is like a, you know, a womanizer who's, you know, having, you know, one night stands twice a week, right? Um, so in, gonna be... in that sense, you would sit down and talk about health and like what's what 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 they're doing. Ask them what why they're doing what they're doing because in any case, these things have a backstory, right? Like there's always trauma or something going on other than what they're actually doing. Like you you, <coughs> you have to not detail or zoom on zoom in on the actual action but like dig into like okay how how can i best support you like what's what's actually going on that we can actually talk about other than what you're doing because that then you're you're just like focusing on their their issue right then you're not focusing on what the actual problem right you're dealing with the symptoms not the causes that you know either way right um Again, did we still see that as an issue? I'm going to look for the cause, but that's still connected to what we believe, right? right. We're still passing on our beliefs in one way or another. 
but there's a, there's a question. So, so for me as a Christian, right, I have some very specific categories of this in that I think the Bible sets out parameters for what the government is there for. So it's there to, you know, to punish evil, to protect the innocent, um, and sort of to enforce contracts. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe that, you know, the church is there to help people, you know, p- to people who have volunteered to follow Jesus, um, to live up to that as best they can through kind of support and persuasion, not through coercion, because that's mm-hmm. a tool given to the government to punish evil, but through persuasion. Um, right, so like... If someone was from that community came to church, would you tell them, no, you can't be here? No, I wouldn't tell them that at all. Exactly. Um, or neither are you going to sit there and say, how is it that you are a Christian and choose to live that lifestyle? That actually would be a conversation. Would, okay. Yeah, so what, what I would say is um, it, it, the same would go to someone who's, you know, a serial womanizer. Uh, which is far more likely to be an issue we face in a in a church actually mm-hmm. um is is that i and i've had this conversation with people it's like look um these are image bearers of god that you're you know using and abusing you claim that jesus is lord that he's in charge of everything why are you not acting like that and that's the conversation we're, we're gonna have right um, and that happens on that would this that would be true with somebody who's um, abusive to their spouse. It would be true of somebody who's like a thief, somebody who's perpetually drunk, right? Mm-hmm. All these all all these things we confront in the context of okay, you say you're in this with us, right? So so, so why are you not living this out? And it's not to judge them; it's to love them, right? Right. I mean, it's good to like bring up that question and have them like really dig into it themselves um but i like that idea of like you're not judging them it's and you're still loving them and they are who they are regardless but it's it's good to just have people dig into like okay but then they it'll always be something that they want right like right exactly and you said it's not coercion it's persuasion yeah and you know because you know church is a voluntary association and and so the um the there's a a chapter in the bible that says um you know when i i told you not to associate with you know drunken or sexually immoral, immoral people i don't at all mean people who are from the world but those who are inside what do I have to do without judging outsiders? Mm-hmm. God will judge the world. Is it not those inside you are, who, who are to judge? Meaning that if somebody does not has not agreed to live their life the same way I live, I live my life by, I've got absolutely no business, you know, getting into their life. Right? I'm thoroughly uninterested in the personal lives of people, you know, of other people. Um, but if somebody's if somebody's if somebody's saying okay. I'm submitting to Jesus as Lord. I want to accept his Lordship and I, I, I know I need him and I need to follow him. Um, and, you know, we've made that agreement that we're going to help each other do that. Then I'm expecting when people see things in me that are out of line, they're going to speak to that. And I'm going to say things 
when I see them out of line, then I'm going to speak to that mm -hmm. to help each other, not to judge each other. Right? right? We all need people in our lives who can be honest with us when we're out of line. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the that's kind of the approach to it. Right. So you know, there's lots of things I believe are sinful that shouldn't be crimes, right? Like getting drunk, you know, I believe is a sin, but it shouldn't be a crime. Some things are sins and crimes. Right. No, I mean, and not like you're driving and drinking. That's the crime. Yes. Yeah. 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 So because there's there's actual endangerment there, right? So there's lots of there's lots of rules that you can't, you know, you shouldn't enforce. Whereas that would be a crime in like an Arab country. Yeah. Like a Muslim majority Muslim Arab country, like if you're drinking, then that's a crime because drinking is not allowed here. Yeah, and it was. In America for a little while until they which made everything far worse yeah with prohibition <laughs> yeah but it, it all comes back down to like every space is that's how they work that's how they do things yeah and, and you, if you're gonna go to that country then you you should be respectful of their laws yeah I, I agree it's important to respect the laws of other nations and I think but again, all those nations are, you know, reflective of what they think, you know, God is like. So I think th there's, you know, so the religious police in Saudi Arabia, which don't have any legal power anymore, right? They legitimately believe, you know, God wants them to be going around making sure women's skirts are long enough. Like I had a friend who from Saudi Arabia who was in a car accident on the bridge back from Bahrain. Right. And her dad, you know, leaves the car to go get help. And she just like climbs her way out of the overturned car, you know, and then mm -hmm. sirens come. No, 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 the sirens. I'm just imagining it that way. But who is it? It's the religious police. Oh, right. Uh -huh. And and to this woman, this young girl who's just like climbing out of this car wreck. Like, why aren't you with a man? Like, that's the first thing they're concerned about. But they, they've legitimately convinced themselves that's God's primary concern in that situation. Yeah, that's 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 the problem. Like people think that they they can take on that role of being judge, but it's not their role to play. Yeah. So, um, so for you personally, how how do you how do you believe God kind of interacts with humanity? Prayer through prayer. Um, I believe prayer is like a really strong force that um, has some in some way been underrated. Um, I was telling the group that I was sitting with at our uh, mix of thought yeah. um, that I uh, made a prayer for something and then God answered it and they were like, Amen, you know? <laughs> they were, like, super excited for me, which was really sweet. Um, but it was something that we shared that, like, they highly believe in that same way. Like, when you make a prayer and you leave it to God, um, because you've done as much as you can, and you want the right answer, the answer that you might or might not be pleased with, but God will be pleased with, then... You learn to accept the 
the answer to the prayer. I had a really weird one a few years ago. Um, prayer? So, uh, prayer answered. Oh, okay. So I was, um, we were, the family was on the way to Portland, um, and we didn't want to drive Kaylee's car because it was on its kind of last legs. So we drove my car, which we thought was fine. And then on the freeway, smoke started coming out and it stopped accelerating. So we had to pull over and, you know, the clutch had gone, right? Mm-hmm. And we just made it, and as, a, as in Portland, he's going to be in Portland for work for a week. And we, I just I just said to the family, look, we're not going to panic about this. We're just going to trust God to provide for us and we'll, we'll ask for help and we'll be fine. So um, borrowed one friend's car, right? Didn't talk to anyone about this, right? But we needed to figure out how the heck are we going to you know, deal with our car situation. Um, came back from Portland, and somebody had bought us a new car. And we, we hadn't shared the need, which is the crazy thing, right? We hadn't been like, hey, guys, does anyone know of any cars for sale? We didn't go, like, oh, no, right. we broke down the freeway. Nobody knew about it. Right. And somebody had bought us a car, right? It was it, it was crazy. And there's all sorts of, you know, small ways things get answered as well that you know i i think god shows up in like you know a million different ways every day and, it, sure. and it's just easy to kind of overlook that oh yeah that's why i'm saying like it, it just i think every little part of your day needs to be remembered in that aspect that he's there everywhere you go and in every sense and just to be appreciative that you have that belief that you have that um that line with him that connection so um i guess question for you when when you pray what do you sort of envision what do you think is going on behind the scenes in in you know heaven when you pray i think i it's something personal um and it's just it's just you are really taking that time of that moment in the day to really connect yourself like you can make your connection through prayer through um a dot but like actually we in a sense to take a moment of time just to you and god i think it's it's not something to be taken lightly no but so does that 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 means you kind of in the mindset that god is sort of personally thinking about you as an individual he's he i am i am making that connection with him grows stronger um and through my connection i will always have him to go back to in any way like in any sense i I need this for myself more than anything because i could just be a muslim but then part of being a muslim is prayer that's a huge part actually but um I think a lot of people do it for themselves at the end of the day. Like, they want that connection with God, that personal connection. So, so th- I guess that means you, you kind of believe that God is paying specific personal attention to your life. I like to think so. I mean, I mean, he's... You can't really pinpoint him in a certain location, like... I'm just praying to him. He's not just there watching me because he's he's supposed to be <laughs> everywhere. So Right, right. Um whether my ans- my prayers are answered at that time or not, I still want that connection regardless. So I, I do it for myself. Um 
but it it we don't I feel like prayer shouldn't be done in to get points like oh right. I did my prayers for today I'm done but like that connection yeah mostly yeah um so do you so then in the area of Jana in paradise right do you kind of is there ever a sort of face-to-face connection with God or is it just continue being this invisible? I don't... Mm, no, I don't think there's a face-to-face connection. So I think I think that's one of the... You know, he's not... This is the thing, like, he's not a person. He's not a being. So, what are you supposed to see? Yeah, so that, that's, that's kind of... Um, that's oh, it's all kind of up in the air at that moment. Like, no one's died and come back. <laughs> so, you don't really know. No one knows. And yeah. it's, I don't think it's up to us to, like, assume either. Like, just just trust. So, um, that, I think, actually perfectly sums up w- one of the sort of key differences, right? Because the line, no one's died and come back. But actually... <laughs> um, have you? No, no, just kidding. No, not me. But that's you know that's actually you know part of the way. So there's this really int- it's really interesting the way the um, the the Bible interacts with the sort of concept of, of of God, because in the Old Testament, right? Um, you know the first the first verse of the Bible is in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Right, everything's mm-hmm. created by God, mm-hmm. and then it says the Spirit of God is hovering over the waters. And then when God creates Adam and Eve, it says that he, God is walking in the garden calling to Adam, right, once they've sinned. He says, Adam, where are you? Right, and Adam hide, tries to hide from God. Um, because he sinned? Yeah, because he sinned, right? But, but So you kind of have... Is that his only sin? I mean, that's the only sin that's recorded. It's right. probably not his only sin ever. Um because the idea of the fall is everyone kind of becomes, you know, sinful because of that. So he's walking in the garden. So it talks about God sort of walking in the garden, you know, interacting with him. And and then what... So God is both this, this, um, described in these transcendent terms, but also in these very personal terms as well. So one thing that's really interesting is when um, God makes a promise to Abraham... Um, let me, let me read this to you. It's, 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 it's really fascinating. It's in Genesis. Um, that's too young. Okay, we're getting there. Um, So it says, when Abraham was 99 years old, this is Genesis 17, it says, the Lord appeared to Abraham and said to him, I am God Almighty, walk before me and be blameless, that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. Um, and Abraham fell on his face and God said to him, behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be Abram, but you shall, your name will be Abraham. For I have made you the father of multiple nations. 
so it, sa- it specifically says there that God appeared to Abraham, mm-hmm. right? So the, the, Abraham is actually having an interaction with God himself, not a, not a messenger, right? A- and then it kind of comes up again in um, Moses' life. So Moses sees the sort of bush that's on fire but isn't burning up, and the voice says to him, "Moses, Moses, take off your feet for you're standing on holy ground." And Moses says, "Who are you?" And he says in Hebrew, Ayah, Asher, Ayah, which means I am that I am. It's sort of self-existent one. It's mm-hmm. very much like the Lem Weled, Lem Uled kind of thing, almost. Right. Um, and, you know, so, so then um, Moses is, a, you know, Moses sort of speaks to God through that medium. And, you know, you kind of have this theme where you have lots of people in the Bible who it says they kind of meet with you know, they meet God face to face and they see God. Mm-hmm. Yet you also have this theme that no one can see God and live. Right. I mean, like, with even, like, Prophet Muhammad, your most sacred Muslim, right? And the first, he, um, his connection with God was through the Quran, like, the passages. Like, he didn't even, you know, see or meet or. Not that I'm aware of, but so that's what I'm saying. It's kind of up in the air. It's not something you really think about. The, and and to see that that's an interesting thing because that again, right? Um, that's different to the way you know. So yeah, that's the whole premise. Is Muhammad meets the angel Jibril in a cave, right? Mm-hmm. Receives the Quran mm-hmm. in that night. Um, but the way the Bible describes Moses' you know, relationship with God is different. Um, so there's this, um, there's this interesting part in, in the Torah where Moses marries an Ethiopian woman and his sister and brother don't you know, like that, right? And they confront that. And they say, well, has God only spoken through you or has he spoken through us as well? And... Um, and it, and and it says and suddenly so did you finish this argument? It says and the, and suddenly the Lord said to Moses and to Aaron and Miriam, "Come out, you three, to the tent of meeting." And the three of them came out, and the Lord came down on a pillar of cloud and stood at the entrance of the tent and called Aaron and Miriam, and they both came forward. And he said, "Hear my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision." I speak with him in a dream. Not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. With him I speak mouth to mouth, clearly and not in riddles, and he beholds the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? So he's saying to the Yeezys, yeah, I've, I've spoken to you guys, but not like this. I speak to him mouth to mouth. He sees my form, and you guys don't. Mm-hmm. And so you kind of have these moments right. in the Bible where people catch this glimpse of God's, you know, form. Right. But you kind of have both things side by side, right? You have this unknowable essence, and then you have this sort of personal, right? You know, this personal thing as well. And the way the sort of narrative arc of the Bible, you know, deals with this is in the person of Jesus, right? So the um, so the book of John says. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, 
and the word was God, and then the word became flesh. So the idea is, right, that God has always had this, you know, nature that's more complex than ours. Right. right. Well, you know, all of us believe that God's nature is more complex than ours. Mm-hmm. And this kind of mystery that's presented through the scriptures is kind of like solved in this, that God eternally exists in as one being, but in three persons, right? The Father, the Son, the Holy mm-hmm. Spirit. Father and Son, not meaning like a literal, um, you know, offspring. Right. But this kind of eternal Son who, you know, it's not that it's a metaphor, more like the way a Father and a Son react, react to each other right. on Earth. got you. Is like the metaphor for what God is like. Right. right? We're the metaphor to display mm-hmm. God's glory. He, we, we don't use metaphors for him. He, we're his. We're here to display what he's like. So, um. So what's interesting is, um, Jesus is having this argument with the Pharisees, the, who, who are sort of like the religious leaders of the day, kind of like you know the scholars. But actually, the word Pharisee would kind of be like the word Salafi. It it wouldn't respond. It wouldn't it would mean a, a, a certain adherence of a strict school of thought? Mm-hmm. And you know. They're asking him who he is, and he and he says, you know, um, you know, you claim to be Abraham's children, but you're liars, because Abraham um, would have rejoiced to see my day. And they say to him, "Well, you're not fifty years old, yet you claim to have seen Abraham." And Jesus says to them, "Truly, truly, I say to you." Before Abraham was, I I am. So he's claiming, he's basically making this connection with God in the burning bush in, um, in um, you know, in in Exodus, right, with, with Moses, and he's kind of claiming that title for himself. So the sort of the the sort of the, what the New Testament you know basically explains is that God's nature is one but it's also kind of composite and and so the new testament defines god as god is love but but god's always been in this kind of like loving relationship you know with between father son holy spirit for all eternity and that simply just kind of carries out you know on earth with the way god loves people right he's or he's always been loving mm-hmm. by his by his nature mm-hmm. and that kind of continues so what that looks like you know, now for the Christian is we believe that um, God, yes, God is unapproachable. He's inconceivable unless he himself desire, um, communicates right. to us, right? Got you. Uh-huh. So, so, so we believe that God himself entered into creation as a man um, to kind of be, you know, to be humble, assuming, you know, self-sacrificing, right? And um, th- these are all, you know, these are, all things that we you know you know respect right right anytime that we see you know a leader somebody who's wealthy and powerful you mm-hmm. know act humble and kind right to people you know i think we admire that right that when we see you know somebody who's you know a big deal take time to sort of you know talk to little people and right. you know play mm-hmm. with kids that that's something um that appeals to us and that's we believe God is God is like that. He has patience for you know the little people, mm-hmm. and loves people so much that he's actually prepared to sort of 
take on suffering into his own being on the cross to to even die for people right because that's the highest form of love is being willing to lay down your own self for the upbuilding of someone else and god being perfect kind of demonstrates that in jesus and then we believe god raised him from the dead so now what we believe is happening right is jesus is in heaven king of the whole earth and there's a relationship going on between the father and the son where they're working together looking down at his people saying they're weak they're sinful help them i died for them i rescued them help them with what they need and then we believe that god comes and dwells in us through the holy spirit that we see in genesis 1 hovering over the water mm-hmm. that it's kind of god is able to sort of like come and because we've been cleansed of sin god's able to kind of come live inside of us and help us to look more like him and that just kind of takes over you know takes over everything and sort of cements our connection to god in everything all right it's good to know <laughs> yeah so i think there's there's some there's there's a ton of similarities in kind of like some of the nature of god right that he he will come when he thinks it's appropriate but like with you uh sorry with the christianity you're saying that he he will put his self in human form yeah that, well he that he whereas, did yes whereas with islam he will he will send his message through a prophet um and that prophet will bring the message to his people yes that that's that's a pretty but even then like it's through an angel sorry like you saw like prophet muhammad Jibrail brought down the messages to him so that was his connection like you, you don't even he doesn't even have that direct connection but through one of his angels yeah right right that, and that's a big that's a it's a pretty big difference actually mm-hmm. because um the, the bible sort of narrative arc right is that adam and eve were created in god's image mm-hmm. to interact with him face to face that we could sort of um you know interact with god in a very direct way um and live because he created us to be perfect then through a breach of trust through sin that's how all the misery and death and suffering happens mm-hmm. and then the end of the bible um describes um you know the the end of the bible describes the sort of end of the world like this way um not in heaven but on earth um it says um um so it talks about this sort of new Jerusalem, this new city coming down from heaven onto earth. And it, says, and it says in Revelation 21, 22, it says, And I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. Lamb is Jesus. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. By its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it and its gate will never be shut by day and there will be no night there they'll bring it into the glory and honor of the nations but nothing unclean will ever enter it um 
Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life, with its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit in each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. There will be no need for light or lamp or sun, for the Lord will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. So, that's that, That's kind of the, the, the sort of end of the biblical narrative, right? Mm-hmm. God and heaven and earth united. God and mankind face to face. Everything unclean abolished from the earth. No need for light. Nations are healed. It's complete and glorious. Right. Um, so, I think the different the difference to me in Islam seems to be earth is just kind of a temporary place of testing. Yes. Right. And then, you know, then, then, then there's Jannah, which is like paradise, but it's not this sort of, you know, you're, so you're living in everything God's, you know, created without sin, but you, and you probably have a better idea of God, but it's not this kind of like, you couldn't say this about, about it. Right. You, you have to understand that this life is temporary. I mean, you, you go on and you live and you do as much good as humanly possible on your end and you take those those um good deeds as you would call them um with you those are what's going to provide um the good that you've done and the tests that you've been given of life right so like one of the things a lot of muslims um um, will tell you to do is like build a well or provide for an orphan or things like that so like every time someone drinks from that well you gain a deed so it's it's the understanding that this life will and will come to an end regardless and, and then we will all go back to our lord so um the less sins and the less mistakes you do and even if you do do them you seek forgiveness because we, we believe that like god's merciful most merciful most um kind so to always seek forgive forgiveness because we are human at the end of the day we will make mistakes um but to realize that and then to realize that, oh, okay, I, I need to seek forgiveness. Um, that's, that's a huge thing, like, to recognize that you are human and then to go and seek forgiveness because it then rebuilds that connection with God. Um, but definitely always keeping in mind that it's temporary, it's all temporary. Yeah, and I think that, you know, that, uh, you know the, the, the way to see things as temporary is still there in the Bible because, you know, there's still a difference, even though this is on earth, right? There's a difference between this life and that life, right? Mm-hmm. It's called the resurrection. Right. So it's, it's, um, but it's, it's, a, it's a restoration of the physical world. So you know, there's still a sense of, you know, everything, there's a lot of things that get distracted by here that are 
temporary and fading away. And the real goal of life is to, the fundamental thing that's gone wrong is a breach of trust, right? Adam and Eve stopped trusting God when they sinned. And it's like we all have this breach of trust now. And there's a way to be religious and still not have that trust, right? Because you can do a bunch of good deeds because you think you have the power to like, okay, if I just manage this well. Right. Yeah, no, you can't you can't have that mindset. You have to have yeah, it it also depends on like as we would say, your Nia, your intention. Like if your intention is to like, oh, I need this to get to heaven, it's not <laughs> No, yeah, yeah, you do it because you think it's the right thing to do. Like, you want to be that type of person. You want to be that type of Muslim. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, from now, but even even then, right? So, personally, if I try and like figure out what my motives are for most things, it's an exhausting process. Because you know, honestly almost anything I do has, you know, mixed motives to it. I think with me or like my upbringing, it's always begin it with an intention. Like what's your intention behind it? Like then go into it. If your intention's not pure, then maybe take a step back and rethink. So I think there's, you know, so, so when I, how I'd approach something like that is, um, I'll have to look at my intentions for you know things, and there, there may be some. It may be a completely awful thing, or it might be really good. But usually, it's kind of a mix, right? And I can mm-hmm. think, okay, this is the right thing. I think this is the right thing to do, and I think this is what God wants a person to do. But also, this, you know, I get to look cool while doing it, kind of thing. Um, right. Yeah, I mean, for me personally, I think about how it's going to make me feel afterwards. Um, like this, like uh, volunteering at a um, homeless shelter, like providing meals for homeless uh, youth. Like, how is that going to make me feel afterwards? That's what I think about. Like, I, I feel better, even though, like, in the situation, like, you're like, dang, like, I can't believe these people live this kind of lifestyle. It's unfortunate, right? But to know that I just gave them that moment of, but because God gave me the blessing to act upon it, I feel better. So, but even then, right, there's there's a certain element of, you know, you're, you're getting, just, you're, you're getting, pushing it, you're yeah. pushing it, aren't you? Well, yeah, I'm, just, I'm not trying to, you know, pick on you. I just, you know, I understand what you're saying. Yeah, it, yeah. So, so for it's, me, it's there, maybe, but for me, I always think about my attention. Like, is my attention to actually help people or to, like look like, oh, I'm a Muslim, I'm doing this. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and and doing good feels good. Right, and I want to feel good, but that's not. Sometimes that becomes the main goal for me. Um, so, so for me, right, I, I guess I see, I see examination of motives. Is there's the usual process I have to go through it, where it's like, am I doing this for? In, is, do I have good motives for this? 
And usually the result I'll get back is like, okay, let's say 75% yes, and there's 25% of pride and, you know, stupid stuff in there. Right. And then I've got to ask, okay, is this still the right thing to do? I'm mm-hmm. like, yeah, it is. Right. So the best I can do a lot of the time is is do the right thing and be aware of my own junk. And I sort of, so I see, um, you know, I see myself as forgiven and accepted by God. Mm-hmm. And, you know, basically the way I sort of see, you know, my intentions and my heart is I'm like, you ever see that when an oil spill happens and then there's like penguins who are like caked in oil and then you have people like going to the beach and like cleaning them with a toothbrush. Yes. I'm kind of like that penguin. Okay. Right. Where it's like, I'm getting better. <laughs> And, but I'm not really, it's not really my own power to kind of get rid of all the sort of junk in my heart. Right. I just, I, I just have to trust God exactly. to, to deal with all the stuff that's there. Because, exactly, yeah. You know, I believe he wants to shape me into a person that for reflects sure. him better. For sure. So for the, so the way I think, the way I, you know, the Bible talks about it is there's something called justification, right? And justification is kind of like this, um, it's being legally made right with God, right? So that's the that's the kind of, your sins are forgiven. You're my boy. You're my girl. Everything's taken care of. And then there's sanctification, which is like, all right, now, n- now I've rescued you. Now begins the real work. Now it's time to start cleansing you of, you know, mm-hmm. what's in your heart. Time to shape you into the person you're designed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but those are two different, two different things. So in lots of other systems, especially kind of like say, um, you know, Mormonism, they're kind of one thing, right? You're justified by you know, you're made right by doing right. And if you just, you know, you cleanse yourself enough, then, you know, you're made right. Whereas I believe that being made right with God is an unconditional thing. Right. Once you surrender. Yes. And then the transformation happens, right? It's like mm-hmm. being adopted into a family that you're secure, but then it begins this work of, okay, here's how you live. Exactly. Yes. Yep. I think the same thing applies with Islam. Like, Okay, you, like you have, you have the idea that you will be forgiven, right? Or you are forgiven, but okay, like are you gonna keep doing it, or are you gonna like try to overcome it, try to overcome the way you act towards people, or the way you act towards yourself, or the way you've been treating your parents, right? Like you don't want to keep repeating the action, then then you're not really learning. Yeah, and but it's also gonna you know it's also gonna depend on who you ask as well, right? Um, how that works because the source material on you know hell, heaven, forgiveness, it's kind of like a jigsaw puzzle that you can put together like <laughs> several different ways, right? Yeah, yeah, but I mean, even within the group that I was talking to at the <clears throat> mix of thoughts, that we we believe that. God is merciful and um, we have a connection and a duty towards him and it, it is on us to try to keep that connection and keep trying, always try. Well, there's because there's, you have the hadith like, you know, I am what my slave believes I am. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, there's the, the idea that a lot of Muslims have that if you believe God is merciful, He'll be merciful, and if you don't, He won't. No, I mean, for me and what I've 
always been taught is that he's he is merciful. He's the most merciful. Period. That's a hard period. I'm putting right there. Okay. <laughs> so so yeah, and that that applies, you know, a lot of things, but it doesn't apply to everything because right, um, when somebody slaughters like halal food, you can't. This is the thing. Like it gets tricky because you can't say like. God is not going to forgive you for killing that thing or killing that person or whatever. Like, we are not God. So we're, we can't play that role of saying that he will not forgive for this or he will not forgive for that. So you have to be very careful. And, and then you're playing judge again. Right, because you're, you're kind of dealing with the stuff you believe has been, has been revealed, right? Mm-hmm. So for the, for the Christian, we believe what's been revealed is you go to the cross with things everything is is forgiven right already 2000 years ago if you sincerely trust mm-hmm. whereas i guess with, with with islam it's not that you don't believe god could be that merciful it's that you don't know yet it, it's kind of a you know maybe an evidence-based hope but it's it depends still on your belief like right. how strong is your belief towards god if you make a sincere um intention to be better as a human or to seek forgiveness through him um and you're a a believer of islam believer of god then you're not gonna go on thinking oh i don't think he forgave me i don't think i was forgiven for this etc like you have to go in with the intention that he will forgive you but not keep on repeating your mistakes well and, and so i'm curious um I don't know how do what do you what do you, um Shia believe about like Hajj? Because a lot of a lot of Sunnis, I don't I can't remember finding this in the Hadith anywhere, but one thing that's you know very you know common is the idea that if you do Hajj, all your sins up until that point are kind of wiped clean and you're like a baby. Is that shared by mm-hmm. in, in the Shia mm-hmm. tradition as well? Yes, it is. Yeah, I mean I think that's probably. A shared vision across Islam in general that um, God wants you to reform Hajj and it's for you to go in and take that cleanse, as you would call it, and um, start a new slate, a new new life as so and so. Yeah. So, so but that that seems to assume right if that hasn't been done then that isn't the clean slate. Yeah, it's tricky because there are good humans, there are good Muslims out there that have, you know, lived a good, kind life towards themselves and those around them. So if they don't have the money or they don't have, the means to go and perform hajj doesn't mean that god is not gonna sit there and um say oh you didn't complete one of your things therefore i cannot forgive you it's not that the idea is that you if you have the money and you have the means to go and perform hajj then yes you have completed one of your obligations and now you can you have the right mindset to go in 
going back to your life to perform better, to be better as a Muslim. So, but that should not stop you to fo- to keep going or performing as a Muslim on a regular basis, even if you have not performed Hajj. So maybe the way to put it is that in, in Islamic thinking, God is forgiving and he wants to forgive you. And he's designed mechanisms through which you can, you know, pay for your sins. Mm-hmm. Right. So, you know, Hajj is one of those, you know, Ramadan is another and so it's like, okay, I want to make things right. So, I want I want things to be right between us. So if you do these if you do these things right, yep. I mean, this is a this is a pathway. Giving to, to an orphanage, providing for an orphan. Like, there's a lot of like things that are out there that you could just simply do to better yourself. And like, the more you attempt or try the more you will build that connection and try to be closer to God, the better you will start learning to accept that, oh, this is this is what I actually want to do. This is how I actually want to be. This is who I actually can be. Yeah. Yeah. So I think the, the, the easiest way to describe it that I think caps the difference fairly well is in, in, in sort of the Islamic thinking, it's like a partnership between God's mercy and your good works kind of together, mm-hmm. right? And those kind of work in tandem with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, in the Bible, it's basically entirely God's mercy and that kind of precedes all of our good works. And, and, and so that's the sort of main, you know, difference right, but, I can tell. But you're not going in with the intention that you will not be forgiven. Like, you should, you should not because... It's, it is up to God, but it is reiterated in the Quran plenty of times. The most merciful, like the most merciful. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's an expecta- expectation of future mercy, right? So whereas. But you, you can you can make a mistake and then in the same hour ask for mercy. And w- with your intention to actually say that I am. I did not mean to do that. I am actually sorry for what I did. I seek forgiveness. And you ha- you have to go in with the intention that you really want that yeah. forgiveness. And it's not it's not that it, it's not going to get given to you. you. Once you go in with the belief, the intention, etc., then you, you should be able to fix your actions moving forward. Yeah. So it's an expectation of expectation of mercy that you kind of find out for sure on judgment day and mm-hmm. and then yeah so it's 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 basically you know there's a present there's a present hope for forgiveness and a future hope for you know forgiveness um so whereas in basically for the christian we kind of believe forgiveness is already you know dealt with you know in you know 30 AD on the cross so you know functionally there's some similarities and some differences well and I think in a way that's done because God always wants you to like reach out to him he always wants you to build that connection and then like trust him like trust him that he will be there for you trust him that he will he is listening to you that he 
he will help guide you if you honestly ask for it like at the end of the day like he created you right so you're supposed to go to him right and and, and that's true in both systems yes um yep. but you know and I, it's just kind of a, sl- a slight functional difference in you know how that's supposed to work right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that basically it's it, you know you kind of it starts with this in the bible such this kind of personal connection the trust is broken and once the trust is you know you know restored there's this you know personal guarantee right whereas because the distance is you know the distance you know god is is sort of completely transcendent in islam right mm-hmm. there's you know there's things you know he is there's things you know he's not and based on those I you think, kind of have a i think in a sense it always allows for you to correct your errors for you to um recognize when you do make those errors for you to have that sense of like i am not um this perfect being and um my intention isn't to be a perfect being but to be at least a decent and good one um and to always i think to always have and reconnect that connection like you're always seeking him i think that's that's the goal is like you're always being reminded or remembering god in one way or another the um there there is there is and that command to seek god is, is something that's regularly in the bible but what's fascinating is um the the way jesus describes what he does the son of man came to seek and save the lost so this i not is the idea is not simply that we're supposed to seek god but actually god came to seek us that he's you know he's come to find you to you know bring you back to rescue you that um it's not simply a case that you're sort of swimming in the ocean looking you know trying to keep yourself up and then I was like, hey, here's a life, here's a here's a here's a life lifesaver, right. and like, oh, grab this, right? Right. The the idea in the Bible is that we're we're not we're we're like dead at the bottom of the ocean, right? Well, and it's like that idea of like you need him, like reminding yourself that you need him, like that's why to constantly remember, to constantly make prayer, even throughout the day, or just like saying simple words like. Alhamdulillah, subhanAllah, things like that, like in remembrance of God, like you know that He is there regardless. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's I, I like that you're you're using that in in, in in a sort of genuine way because I, I've noticed sometimes with an observation I make is with uh an Arab RCP sometimes is inshallah, which means no. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean you you should be genuine about it. Like when you begin your meal, like Bismillah, you know, and then when you finish it, Alhamdulillah. So like, it's really simple things, but like you you remember him. Like, like I'm saying, like you need him. He he wants you to reach out. I remember um, first time I you know lived away from home, you know, in America, and. I think when you first live away from home and have to kind of like support yourself, 
you become so much more thankful for your meals. <laughs> yeah. Right. I always said thank you for my meals, mm-hmm. but it was just like this ceremonial thing where it's like, oh, a taco, thank you. Right. And I I think I always appreciated that. Like if I was invited over to like one of my friend's house and they said like grace or prayer, like I was really uh, thankful that they did that. And it's just not me saying it in my own, like, underneath my breath or something like my own words but like to say it with like a group of people who believe in the same god yeah i think you know thankfulness is one of the you know is is is, is key mm-hmm. you know acknowledging you know how small we are how fragile our existences are yep. is, is an important thing to do yeah for sure well Thank you so much for coming on. You're welcome. Thank, thank you for having, for having me. Yeah, it was fun. We'll do more of this. And guys, thank you for watching the Almeida Initiative podcast. We'll be back soon for more episodes.